Snippet, the short podcast platform. Welcome to The Awakening Code, a new show from Snippet featuring conversations around the process we call Awakening and Living More Consciously and On Purpose. This week, we're thrilled to be joined by Espiridi Ananas of the Dom and Her Federation of Spiritual Communities. We start off with a conversation about what Dom and Her is. D-A-M-A-N-H-U-R, and it's an ancient word that means city of light. City of light. So you said we are a city. We are actually a federation of intentional communities, but... As a city of light, we definitely recognize ourselves as a city. So Damano was founded 45 years ago in Italy. That's where the project started, because when we speak of Damano today, so many years later, we're really speaking of a project that is now touching the hearts of many, many people all around the world. But in the beginning, it started in Italy with a group of people that felt that to be really spiritual, to make a difference in the world, they had to be together 24-7. Mm-hmm. That spirituality and transforming themselves and the planet was not something that you could do only on weekends. So they started buying land and then they started really investigating into the cosmic rhythms. How can we create in this time and age a way of living that is respectful of the rhythms of the earth, of the planet, of the universe, and can also create a sustainable way of living. And when I say sustainable in Damano, we mean at all levels, from the spiritual sustainability, which means recreating a a spiritual ecosystem that supports our growth, and we also understand how that can help us be in service to one another Mm. and bring the divine that is inside each human being back to shining and very, very practical. Practical because if we don't take practical actions... If we don't become spiritual activists, activists, maybe we won't have a planet very soon. Right, right. So, and how many people live there? At the moment, we are 600 people in the valley, and then we have centers all around the world. In the valley where we are, it's um, not far from Torino in northern Italy, so it's a very beautiful pre-alpine valley, and we are now at the third generation. So we have children born of children. They oh were born gosh. in Damaro. So, yes. So, so incredible. We are not an experiment anymore. We're really quite a reality. And how big in area is, is Damaro? We are not in just one place where, you know, you would arrive and find a, a closed community with a gate. But we are really spread all over the valley. So we have farms and uh, homes and uh, um, activities all over the valley. So imagine a valley and many, many, about, we have about uh, 50 settlements but they're interspersed with, you know, settlements of the local people because that was also the idea. Uh, how can we also contribute to society at large? We never thought of becoming, you know, a community with gates and, and separated. We wanted to see how can we bring our ideas, our way of living, sustainability, spirituality, oneness, and mix it with the local people, the local way of living. So um, we have something that is quite unique, 15 years ago, for the first time, we had a Damanurian citizen, citizen elected to be the mayor of the nearby village. Oh, so wow. we've been really able to contribute to growing and helping the whole valley thrive, not just our community. And this is a great result. Do you see the vision of 
bringing the, the Dom and Herb principles to other parts of the world so that other places in the world can look at Dom and Her as a template for new ways of being. Absolutely. And in uh, the you know, more recent times, but already I would say for about 20 years now, many of us have been invited around the world to speak, to teach, to ex- you know, share our knowledge. And uh, out of meeting wonderful people all around the world, we've also been able to establish centers or embassies that really work as uh, Damanur seeds where we invite people from, we have centers in Japan, in Croatia, all over Europe, in Holland, uh, and hopefully very soon also here in California. That's the plan. That's (laughs) really to see what happens when we bring the seeds of Damanor and the experience of Damanor of so many years of community, and we meet the local people. We meet the genius of the people of the world and see how together we can create a new humanity more than a new planet. It's one of the things that you're here sharing on this particular trip, I think. You're talking about the importance of ritual. Yes, the importance of ritual as a way to be, again, a conscious part of this cosmic flow, a Mm -hmm. conscious part of nature. We are convinced that in order for us to find solutions to the problems we have today on the planet to face, Mm -hmm. we need to find a way to create a, a new alliance with our planet, with the plant world, with the consciousness of everything that is alive. We feel that this presumption, this hubris that we've had as human species, that we can always solve so, you know, everything alone is not going to bring great solutions. So we have, absolutely have, to find a way to be back into these rhythms. So it's not just a thing for new agers that want to feel good. It's that we actually feel it's indispensable if we want to have that opening of consciousness that will also lead to new science, new discoveries, new technologies. And it's really about helping everyone who wants see that there is a way where how that we can live together, together differently. So our um, community is not about you come there and now you live our way and, you know, it's divided. But come, see how we live. See if something inspires you enough to stay. Fantastic. You bring your own dreams and your own riches to the community. Otherwise, we hope we can inspire you to go back and transform where you live. I loved your explanation today, how the founder of Dom and Her, what his vision was and how he responded to that. Can you share that with our listeners? Well, yeah. Um, Falco, Berta Raidi, that was the name of the founder. He passed away almost four years ago. He was a man who had a great dream, and his dream was to find other people that could share his dream and their own dreams to make it even greater and create Damanor as an example and and also to give hope to humanity. Mm -hmm. And over the years when he was alive, of course, because Damanor was so radically new in the way we live, in the way we think, totally outside of the idea of religion, but more about the idea that it's time that human beings become adults. Mm. and become responsible for their action, for their thoughts, for their connection with the divine. Not looking for a mother, not looking for a father anymore, because that keeps us being children. Right. Um, but becoming adults and responsible. So he always felt that there would always be people that could not understand this, and so they call you a cult, or they were finding all sorts of you know, strange things they would attribute to him that were not even real. But he never got affected by that. And he said, well, you know, our actions will speak more than their 
uh, accusations and the images of the temples which speak to the hearts of people. And if people don't respond, then maybe we are not what they're looking for, and that's also okay. So it was I never saw him being affected by you know criticism. Never being affected by that. And that that really brings into focus what I think so many so many of us are striving for when it comes to our spiritual awakening is finding that wholeness within and knowing there's no separation between us and that source essence. We'll be right back for more of our conversation about the Dominher spiritual community. Welcome back to The Awakening Code. Our conversation about the Dominher spiritual community continues. Do you work with people's past lives? Is that one of the modalities that you do or where does that come into play? So in Dominher, we really try to understand who we are. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we have really had a direct experience of is the idea and the fact, the, the, the feeling that we are not just linear beings, but we as human beings are actually express ourselves through time. So mm-hmm. let's say the divine seed in us or our soul is living a human experience in many different points of time, which means that in each lifetime, and especially in those where my consciousness is more present, mm-hmm. I also have access to other experiences. And once I can tap into those experiences, I am more complete. And I also understand that physical life is important and yet is only an aspect of what I am. So I realize that, again, this idea of being part of cosmic rhythms is very important because we still have in us the memory of the stars. We're made of star dust, literally. And so when we start expanding this idea of who we are, we also start to understand, well, if it's so vast, maybe in my past life, I also had your same past life. So maybe that's another way to explain that you and I are one and everyone and all humanity is having an experience at once together. We're really here together. So it's another way to, to understand this union. And I've been working personally in the field of past life research for many, many years. And what I've been noticing in the last, I would say, five years is that there is an opening of memories in so many people to past lives or better in the Manurian terms, contemporaneous lives in points of time that before were not accessible. Mm-hmm. So there are many memories that are coming back for many of us on this planet in ancient civilizations that historically are not known or even in using physical bodies. They are not exactly what we use now and yet on this planet. Then again, when this starts to happen with more and more people, we understand that the idea of humanity is not defined by the body, but by the soul. Mm. And then our history is so much vaster, and maybe we can also feel a, a new hope in us, understanding that there is a grand design for humanity. Oh, my god! That there are so passages, but mm. we have to stand up for that. we got to be also very practical, as I said, practical uh, spiritual activism, as I said before. So, you know, while in Damano, we are doing all this research into the spiritual, the mystical, the metaphysical. At the same time, we've been uh, creating schools for our kids. We have school from kids for zero to 12. We have our own complementary currency. We have farms. We have activities. We have everything that creates a society because 
if you're really spiritual, you have to be able to prove that you have the power, the knowledge and the will to transform matter. The word ritual now is used to define so many things that are not ritual. Just like uh, other words, you know, like just like oracle or we use it for some, so to give a an answer that has a meaning in a Damanurian sense, I would say that a ritual is a technology that requires an attitude of devotion, gratitude, a presence, and also knowing what you're doing. Because a ritual is a language to communicate with different dimensions, with different levels of consciousness. And it's also, if it's done properly, a way to really connect and stitch together all these different dimensions to which we are meant to belong as human beings, as the bridge of which Jung was talking about, the bridge between the material and the spiritual plane. So if a ritual is a real ritual, it does that. And it reminds us of our place in the universe, in the world, and of our responsibility. Because if we are bridges, then there is a responsibility in that. Because we are the conduit of the energies of the universe through the earth and vice versa. So can, in Damano, we have uh, individual rituals that help us go through the different passages. We have them for our kids, like rites of passage. And then we have the important collective rituals, which again, as we were said in the beginning of our show tonight, are those that are, remind every single cell of our body, every organ, every part of ourselves that we are part of a larger cosmic rhythm. And so rituals, when we learn the science of rituals, one thing that is important is to understand that rituals are not necessarily fun. Mm. Uh, rituals, to be a ritual, you repeat it in the same way over and over because you establish a code. Then the forces understand. Now I see people that, you know, dress up like for carnival and they have a great party and they say this was a ritual for this and this. No, that was not a ritual. Maybe it was a celebration. Maybe it was a moment of collective sending of energy somewhere. But a ritual requires a constant repetition of the same gesture, the same ways. Because then you, it's like you're engraving in the subtle planes your intention with mm -hmm. that. That's why I said it's a technology. And as, just as we create, you know, a motherboard for a computer, when you put a piece, a piece, a piece, if you want it to work as a TV, those are the pieces. If you change them, it becomes a radio, it becomes a computer. You've got to know what you're doing. I love that definition. What an amazing ritual, definition. I have never heard it ritual said that way. as technology. So we're, we're, let's talk about this Domenherr Temple self. because my mind is blown by what I just saw. And they, we will make sure that our listeners do find the link on the Domenherr California Facebook page and on our Facebook page that shows this virtual tour of, of the temples of humankind. The link it's also a direct link that is the temples.org. So that is the direct link. The name of the temples is the Temples of Humankind. So it's more than one. Okay. It's several rooms and each one is dedicated to a specific aspect. So we have the elements, water, fire, and earth, uh, air. We also have temples dedicated to the memories of each one of us, the journey through our life. We have a whole beautiful hall dedicated to 
um, light, which is covered with mirrors. The walls are covered, so it's called the Hall of Mirrors. Many different rooms, and it represents an alchemical journey into each one of us. And the imagination, li- listener, if you're listening to her say rooms and Hall of Mirrors and you're thinking cheesy, uh, <laughs> you, you don't. It is mind-blowing what yeah. I just saw. The scale of it, the beauty, the architecture, the technology, the size of it, just uh, mind-blowing. My first question, like when I go to Burning Man, is who is building this? Who has the time, the materials, the money, the know-how, the, uh, uh, the you know, from the architecture to infrastructure to all of it? The, the swinging giant stone doors and who, how is this happening? Yeah, the story is absolutely incredible because these temples have been dug by hand inside a mountain. So you have to imagine over 2 million buckets of rock taken out by hand. And I'm saying buckets because that was the unit to measure. Wow. We actually literally brought Just out buckets. the rock buckets. So over 2 million. And Everything is, we counted, yes. You know, we we counted them. We counted each one of them. And uh, the temples have been completely excavated by hand, which means we were using electric hammers, but no machines. Wow. Because it was really important, this devotional relationship with the earth, the intention, the human intention of entry into inert matter and turning into art and beauty. So this, uh, the first 16 years, the works were uh, conducted in complete secret because the, we had no permission to build the temples. Nobody um, had ever contemplated that possibility, so there was no authority to ask permission to in Italy. Mm-hmm. Then the temples were discovered a little before what uh, the, the community would have wanted, but we were able to turn this, um, you know, what seemed to be a negative aspect, because in the beginning, when they were discovered, because, um, you know, they're not, a Catholic Church, we had a lot of opposition. So there were many attempts to destroy the temples or close them down. And it was a four-year legal battle that finally we won also because thousands of people around the world wrote to the Italian government saying, you can't do this. This is a beautiful work of art. And then finally they were recognized as a work of art. And now, you know, we have thousands of people around the world so that come and meditate it, in the temples. It was a threat to the the Catholic yes. Church, and they were in fear about it? Is yeah, that- well, it was just not really well received to have, you know, these temples that were not Christian and they were not under any recognized religion be, like, really there in Italy, mm-hmm. so close to maybe the Vatican. Right. So there was, you know, and the local authorities, they did not want to displease the church at the time, so they were not making any decision to say, yes, let's find a way to legalize it. But mm-hmm. then we did. You know, it was an intervention. Because the people came together. Because the people from around the world, and we yeah. had um, TV crews from around the world that started to come, and they said, this is unbelievable, and it's been done by hand, and these people are really good people. Mm-hmm. They're not harming anyone. The land was ours. But it was so incredible to believe that that was possible that was just like oh how can this be no this cannot be the technology is mind-blowing i mean the execution of it and the technology and the craftsmanship yeah and we call them the temples of humankind because we really wanted to underline the fact that these are times in which we have to really connect to the divinity inside each one of us and reawaken humanity as a divinity as that bridge between matter and spiritual. And so 
we built the temples with the awareness that we wanted to create a collective work of art. So the transmission that you're talking about was created because the field of the people creating the temples was a unitary field. Everybody was doing this, sharing the same ideal. So when you enter, something that really always strikes people that come there is when you look at the paintings on the walls, they've been painted by a group of painters, but you cannot tell who's doing what mm -hmm. because they managed to find a style that was the sum of their own individual talents. When they're not painting for the temples, each one has you know, their own style, but mm -hmm. there they tapped into something greater. They tapped into the collective. Exactly. Right. And so that then constantly supports more tapping into the collective. Thank you for tuning in to The Awakening Code. Next week, we speak with Giannis Pantesis and Trevor Green, and we hope you'll join us then.